2: twenty five dollars each.
3: Visit LiveNation.com slash concert week to buy now. That's Livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now.
1: I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now.
2: From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio.
3: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt.
2: My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Pull back the curtain a bit, folks. It has been a crazy day here in conspiracy land. Uh, we are coming to you after uh, several exciting, unforeseen plot twists uh, that we will we'll fill you in on Um in in the very near future but overall good news overall good things and overall as always we are so happy to hang out with you today fellow denizens of the internet a uh, quick question we've been talking about this a lot off air we've been looking forward to this uh, quick question matt noel everybody listening at home do you have a favorite meme yes <laughs> I love it. I love the. I love the confidence. Yes. Oh, exactly <laughs> what I'm
0: saying. The the, the level of confidence uh, makes me want to hear it right away. While I think uh, through my meme decks, uh, and I'll let you know as soon as you're done.
2: Well, do do.
3: So I have to tell you. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I just right before we went to record, I couldn't remember the name of it or what it was. I just remembered the image of uh, a person looking like kind of side eyed at the camera and smiling and putting their hand up to their head like. Think about it. That's what it reads to me. And then you guys told me it's actually called the think about it meme. Or roll safe. Yeah. And I
0: also just now realized because of this that that is, in fact, not LeVar Burton. Um, I had assumed it was uh, for many years, um, as clearly did many other uh, Internet folks who search on Google because there's plenty of uh, versions of that meme with his name tagged on it. I think my favorite meme format is the galaxy brain meme format. Yeah, There's like four different images of the brain, like from like a MRI type scan or a stylized MRI scan. And there's the first one that's just kind of like a regular brain. The second one where you start to see some neurons firing. The third one where it's starting to get a little crazier. And then the fourth one where it's like utter connectivity with the universe. And that is the titular galaxy brain. Big, big fan of that one.
2: Yeah, and there's another version of that, which is Vince McMahon, I guess, uh, losing his mind over a series of images. Those, both of those cases, Galaxy Brain and RollSafe, are image macros, which means that you can take the visual aspect the the um, I guess you would call it the visual implication or theme or vibe and then you can insert captions written words that uh, specify or evolve the meme and they can be used for any number of things we'd love to see your favorite ones and I am so impressed uh, that you Matt and you Noel, each were each had a a favorite that was so that's so cool uh, well their favorites
3: of- because they've been used in effective ways that made me laugh or think about something a little differently mm-hmm. right they, they they cut through all of the internet noise to me somehow that's that's why that specific one got to me
2: and they cut through part of your brain, as, mm-hmm. we wonder, as we'll come to find. So it's it's weird because there are folks in the audience today who knew the world before the advent of online communication. And we're not going to call anybody out, but I know there there are at least a couple of us in the crowd who uh, were around when beepers were the new thing, and not just for doctors and drug dealers. It's it's, I think it's that's, tricky. That's for all yeah. of us,
3: right? Everyone here, including Paul Mission Control Deccan.
0: I had a pager. I had a green,
2: translucent green Motorola pager uh, for, for a time. I had a couple burners. Yeah, I mean, life just happens. And this is, this is the thing. Uh, memes now are social currency. They are a form of communication. They're by nature ephemeral. They move, they transform, they evolve as quickly as a passing thought. And think of that phrase again, a passing thought thought you see them in countless places uh, memes generally we're talking about internet memes when people talk about memes today but a meme is also a commercial jingle right like here here's an example of a meme New York City you just thought of salsa you just thought of a campfire uh, commercial tropes and jingles are some of the most effective memes or propaganda in the world.
0: A slogan of any kind, you know, a snappy bumper sticker. I mean, a meme is just a, a, a communicative tool that is designed to be repeated um, and spread
2: like a virus, you know, but like a positive virus, right? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll we'll see, you know, and also we're we're very much in a glass house situation uh, because this show is riddled with memes. Here's where it gets crazy, for instance. So. These things, they can be funny, like the Nyan cat. Uh, They can seem nonsensical, but they are also so powerful, more powerful than you could ever imagine. And today's question is, can memes be a weapon of war? To answer this question, we have to start at the basics and correct a couple of common misconceptions. So let's start there. What is a meme? Here are the facts.
0: Yeah, like we were starting to talk about, I mean, a meme is essentially uh, something at its most simplistic, a concept, a thought. Uh, an idea and a vibe an energy something that you can communicate and people immediately click and connect with what that is whether it's just a, whether it's associating it with a particular brand or a particular ideology or just like we've talked about a format that you can then transpose other ideas onto I mean because a lot of times these meme image formats that we're talking about are pulled from stuff from pop culture whether it's an anime or something or a screenshot from some movie or a character you don't think about that character anymore it becomes wholly its own thing that is then used to disseminate the idea that you are then kind of superimposing atop it. Uh, a meme is an element of culture or system of behavior that is passed from one mind to another via uh, very blunt instrument, communicative kind of techniques, not genetic as as we would typically think of, you know, complex systems of repeating um, and self-replicating stuff like like viruses or genes. Um, Most particularly, this is through imitation, which is the sincere form of flattery, uh, but it can also be weaponized, can't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. The, the way I like to phrase it is a meme is a unit of information and non-genetic transmission is a huge part of this. Memes are transmissible. They are contagious. Uh, we talked about this in our earlier Strange News and Listener Mail segments. And we had this, one of those conversations that never really ends. The debate over whether or not this contagious factor this ability to transmit from one mind to the next whether or not this means an idea can be considered alive. It's similar to the debate about viruses. I mean, not for nothing do people call a popular meme viral, right? Ideas move like viruses. They mutate like viruses from one iteration to the next, and they can directly affect the actions of other more orthodox living things, cough, cough, people, hearts and minds. Uh, it's, It's weird because this... This term, like this is an ancient idea, right? It probably is older than the oldest written language. But the term itself didn't come into being until 1976 when Richard Dawkins wrote a book called The Selfish Gene. And he wasn't originally talking about the Internet. He was just trying to explain this process of replication, mutation, and evolution that occurs with ideas. You know, slang could also be an example of a meme right Uh, these days most of the time when you hear discussions outside academia about memes we're talking about internet memes and they really started to come into their heyday in the 1990s (laughs) thanks to emoticons i love giving shout outs you guys know this shout out to scott e fallman the introducer the popularizer Dare we say the creator of the sideways smiley face made with punctuation, aka the way to put a little, you know, put a little snaz on your text message, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a big difference between "Hey, it was good to see you." Period, and "Hey, it was good to see you." You know, colon parentheses. Mm. Ooh,
3: that's a little, I'm uh,
2: mm.
3: right. saucy, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and and it's funny because this is like that meme. That idea, that emoticon specifically, gave birth later to emoji, uh, and it also now is considered kind of a relic. It's kind of old school if, honestly you know, and I think the world of you guys, you know that, but if one of you ever sent me a text with like the punctuation smiley face, I would be a little worried. I would think it was like, yeah, I would, I would feel like you might be in an emotionally vulnerable place because you guys are masters at at emoji and memes. So if it's no, it's the, did you know, I've
3: done that to you before? I have done that to you, but on my phone, it translates it into an emoji. It does
0: do that. I usually use that to defray any potential like misinterpretation, like to let you know that I'm being lighthearted in some way or I'm just like, this is not serious. Um, the thing <laughs> we've talked about this, but the opposite effect uh, of that to me is the period. The period to me is the most aggressive punctuation mark in all of textum.
2: I know man we've talked about how we how uh our understanding of each other's perspectives affects the way that we communicate via text online because so much nuance can get missed as a matter of fact, about sixty percent of the communication that occurs whenever people are talking in person is nonverbal it's body language it's uh it's tone you know it's things like that the The words are sort of a um A side effect or a clarifying factor when when we look at this if we look at internet memes we know that the like the proper dressed up with a tie-on concept of an internet meme was first proposed by a guy named mike godwin in an article for wired way back in june of 1993 who was riding the zeitgeist finger on the pulse indeed and As the internet became increasingly sophisticated, as its reach became ever broader, as its depth became ever deeper, internet memes evolved in step that's why we talk about things like dank memes god tier memes stuff like that like you you see this all the time uh for digital natives as corporate america would call them where they're like this meme is awesome and to explain it to you you have to understand like five years of the memes leading up to this here's why this is funny and dawkins was conscious of this. He later went on to describe internet memes in particular as being altered by human creativity. He called it, quote, a hijacking of an original idea. And hijacking is a very important word here. Memes like algorithms can subtly alter the viewer's perception of over time like have you ever have you ever been caught flat footed by a meme you're like haha this is cool what, what's going on here and then you look at the source and you're like oh that's from a Russian troll mm-hmm. or oh that was some alt right propaganda but gosh that was got all the
0: lulls out of that one uh, that's the problem with memes is they can be insidious in that way because they essentially are masquerading as junk food you know or, or as just some little nugget to kind of give you some lulls uh, but not something to be taken taken seriously. Uh, and that is how they are used as a tool or weaponized is this whole idea where it's like, oh, you never see it coming because it's inherently sort of not to be taken seriously. Well,
3: I, I think the, the the biggest factor with a meme is that it's easily shareable. It mm-hmm. is the most shareable thing that you can possibly have for social media, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's basically an image that has text embedded into it and you just post that anywhere and it can spread like wildfire.
2: And also, it's a very low investment of attention. It asks very little from the audience. You don't have to read a scientific journal. You just have to, like, you don't even laugh. You just kind of exhale slightly louder than normal through your nose. And you go, ha! yeah, Pepe, at it again.
0: You could also argue it's a very low bar for the interpretation of intention, right? So, like, if someone posts a meme, oh, no biggie, It was I thought it was funny. And, like, it's going to be hard to – I mean, obviously, this has changed over time, but it's a little harder to peg somebody as, quote-unquote, spreading propaganda just because they posted some harmless meme, as opposed to, like, say, posting a screenshot from a chapter of Mein Kampf.
2: Right. I just thought it was funny, bro. I mean, look at that. That – that dog. That frog's is, on a
0: unicycle, man. Look
2: at him. Look that at him go. Boy. Oh, we're <laughs> going to talk about that boy in a second. Yeah. You're, you guys are nailing it. Like, in in short, memes are more than just internet post. They can be, at least, in the right hands. Memes can use written language, but they don't have to do so. If we were to take... And I'm still working on optimism with mixed results. But if we were to take an optimistic stance, we we could say memes can bring people together. They can bridge the gap between linguistic barriers, demographic barriers, cultural barriers. You know, who doesn't like to laugh? But let's be honest. Humans have a well-known track record. Human civilization has a bit of a reputation. The rap sheet for the species is long and it's riddled with disappointing, alarming precedents. Humans take new technology and almost instantly ask, so how can we make this a weapon? How can we use this to get an advantage over those we see as not in our group, our community, or our tribe? Memes are no exception to this rule. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, Uh, We'd love you to take some time and tell us your favorite memes. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Here's where it gets crazy on Facebook. And we'll return to a world where memes are war. Live Nation
0: presents Concert Week.
3: From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer
2: shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage. Alanis Morissette. Cage the Elephant. Celeste Barber. Dirks Bentley. Janet Jackson. Megan Trainer. Peso Pluma. Sean Paul. Some forty-one and many more.
0: For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you
2: love all summer long. For just
1: So visit snagajob.com or text SNAG to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The 2024 presidential campaign features
3: two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters.
2: terminix it visit terminix.com to book your appointment online today
3: that's t-e-r-m-i-n-i-x dot com to book online today
2: here's where it gets crazy i'm so glad you mentioned that boy so shout out to our own Dat boy our um a longtime friend of the show, personal friend of ours, the one and only super producer, Casey Pegram. You've heard him on Movie Crush. Uh, he's made films with Paul Deccant. Uh, he has a favorite meme, and it is indeed Dat Boy, which is uh, created by Josh Dohan. Uh Dat Boy, if you haven't seen it, it's D-A-T space B-O-I. And you can see it as a GIF. You can see it as an image macro. It is a frog precariously balanced on a unicycle with a two-part caption.
0: Well, I, my, my my favorite is the version of it that actually has an like audio track, and it's um I think it's a like a computer voice, and it's like, "Here come that boy! Here come that boy!"
3: <laughs> that I don't know the other part that says, "Oh, oh shit! shit. Yeah, what up?"
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, d- and this is. Spelled in cutesy internet language, right? But I I don't know why. I am am also captivated by that. And there's something about spelling what up, W-A-D-D-U-P, that just is like umami to me on some cognitive level. But yes, it can be difficult to imagine something so whimsical and silly becoming a piece of information warfare, but that's exactly how some memes are being used in the modern day. And this phenomenon is a little bit older than people might assume, and it's only going to grow in the future. Mimetic warfare is asymmetrical.
0: I'm so sorry. I just have to chime in real quick. There's a whole song. That's what I was going from. And it goes on to say, uh, Watch him roll watch him go. Watch him roll and watch him go. And then here he be rolling down the street. He be rolling to the beat. He be rolling down the street. He be rolling to the beat. Watch him roll. What up? Watch him roll. What up? (laughs) It's the whole song. It's great. It's great. Yeah,
2: and and it's fun. Um, But again, this is asymmetrical. It's low-cost investment on the part of the audience and – it can be low-cost investment on the part of the creator. Uh, of course, the vast majority of memes we can assume are just things people think are funny and send to their friends. But you have to watch out. There are wolves in the flock here, and they are disguised just like the sheep. So this warfare is also psychological, and it can be enormously effective, uh, it, primarily because it is so often underestimated. When we see it's older than you might think, You know, you could say, well, an Internet meme logically couldn't exist before the age of the Internet. But I wouldn't be so I wouldn't be so sure with that. This stuff has historical roots in old school analog propaganda. Matt, you and I had talked before about wartime operations, you know, things like. Things like propaganda radio announcements, like Lord Ha Ha is one. He's a pro-Nazi propagandist character uh, broadcasting to the UK in World War II. Uh, and, you know, then it's the war for hearts and minds, same as it ever was, uh, dropping pamphlets, before the days of gifts,
3: yes, exactly. On YouTube, I found this video posted by Andy Black Associates, and the title was "Mimetic Warfare is Not a Modern Strategy." And in it, it's 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 archival video footage from World War II showing uh, Allied soldiers filling up these balloons with pamphlets that would be sent over into you know uh, German-controlled territory. And they were designed to fall to the ground and explode somewhat, like to an extent, and just send these pamphlets all over the place. And the whole point was to get a message into the minds of anyone living in German-occupied territory, whether that were, those were soldiers or civilians that were, you know, maybe not at all a part of the Nazi movement, but it was just to change their Perception about something to make them think about the Nazi forces that are in that area differently or to think about the allied forces that will eventually be coming through in a different way, Um, or even just to get them to rise up against the Nazis that were controlling that territory. So it's just I I can't find I've spent way too much time on archive.org attempting to find the original footage of that, but I was unable to find it. Uh, I would just recommend checking it out on YouTube for now if you can. Well, you know what else can be a meme is a song. You know, like, uh, they're,
0: they're another thing that could seem very innocuous or like very, oh, this is just like for fun, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, ma'am. Uh, she, wait. Or like, uh, there's another one that's, uh, uh, somebody want you know anyway yeah. these things can yeah. be definitely memeified, but um, there's a whole podcast series uh, from I forget Pineapple Street I think made it but it's called Winds of Change um, and it is about the notion that the CIA um, helped or maybe even forced the band the Scorpions to write the song Winds of Change um, as a means of like influencing the fall of the Berlin Wall uh, the totally. lyrics being follow the Moskva down to Gorky Park listening to the winds of change in August summer night so soldiers passing by Uh, the futures in the air. I can feel it everywhere blowing with the winds of change. And then it's take me to the magic of the moment on a glory night. Anyway,
2: point is if that's true, (laughs) that's pretty slick, right? It's not as good as the key and peel epic song if you guys remember there's a music video where it, it keeps a running tally of how much money the guy has when he's yeah. producing this and it just uh, it goes down from there i w- i've been on a key and peel rabbit hole again i have I, I can't think of enough good things to say about Jordan Peele.
0: I, not neither can I. He's also the most one of the most versatile creators of our time. I think you know, for coming from absolute comedy genius to becoming you know one of the most I mean instant first feature you know Oscar world. Um, but but my point is though, there's a really good Monty and Python Keegan sketch. And Keegan is awesome too. Keegan's great. Yes, <laughs> great. Keegan's a friend of ours. Technically yeah. a coworker. He totally is. But really quickly, I mean, the whole idea of a, a, a song or let's say a joke. There's a really good Monty Python flying circus sketch where there's this joke that kills people just by virtue of saying it to them. And the joke has to be guarded and likely distributed only in little pieces. I think that looking back on it now is kind of a cool satire of what a meme can do or the idea of weaponizing a meme or just the idea of how insidious an idea can be once it uh, reaches people. And then they want to pass it around because that's what a joke does. Right.
3: 1 800 mm. Oh, okay. You guys didn't do it. All right. Not I don't on. On. All not right. On. Dang. Yeah. Uh, I, there I there got, are people listening lost. right now that change. Who okay. just they did screaming? It, yeah. They're <laughs>
2: screaming at their radios. Or they're saying, like, We're going to say it, but we're not going to sing the song because we don't want to curse you. Cars for kids. No. Uh, so <laughs> that's another one. Uh, so we can also think about. First, I love this point uh, to Jordan Peele and Keegan, Michael Key, if you're listening, I think you would agree that comedy and horror are conjoined twins. They are very cognitively similar. Uh, and it's it's about surprise, right? Ultimately. Uh, and there's a dark side to memes as well. Like think about in the days before the Internet, think about all of the disgusting race-based caricatures that were used to dehumanize enemies or used to persecute minorities. And unfortunately, those caricatures are with us today, albeit sometimes in more evolved forms. They're stereotypes. This practice, all of these practices we just mentioned, songs, jingles, images, macros, all of this stuff only accelerated in the age of the internet and new variables upped the power of this sort of psychological warfare now anonymity is easy it's you're not anonymous to a government force obviously and if there's a company powerful enough they will figure out who you are but for the average audience member just someone scrolling on Facebook or on Reddit. You can be anonymous. There's also the problem of false sourcing or at misattribution, whether purposeful or accidental. And then, of course, there's information control because, yes, communication is democratized. More people can have microphones than ever before. But the folks who run the, the uh, PA system, there are very few of them. There are very few faucets. Uh, and there are a lot of choke points there. So information can now, I would posit, be much more easily controlled than in the past. World powers know this. This isn't just this isn't just your buddies. It's stuff they don't want you to know uh, chatting over beers or something. People in NATO, people in the U.N. are having oh moments about meme warfare. NATO has spoken about the power and the danger of memes, and from their perspective, from an international institutional perspective, these memes are a kind of guerrilla warfare. There is a fantastic report about this from a journal run by NATO called Defense Strategic Communications. It's free to read online right now. I highly recommend it if you're interested. It's called It's Time to Embrace Mimetic Warfare, originally written by Jeff Geesey in in 2015, uh, and he later updated it, but uh, pulled a couple of quotes from this because I really like the way he phrases both the the situation and the danger. So maybe we can start with his first, just sort of like thesis statement, uh, his lay of the land in this digital conflict.
3: Here is the quote: In today's globalized information environment, the ability to influence narrative and perception has become arguably the most leveraged participatory and relevant form of power.
2: Oh, most leveraged, most participatory and most relevant. So what does that mean? Most leveraged again, it goes back to investment on the part of the audience and the creator. It's easy to do this, right? It's easy to use this to great effect. Participatory means that it's easy for multiple people to do this multiple groups that may have you know not have had the wherewithal or the resources to wage this kind of warfare in the past now you don't have to print things now you don't have to send balloons over the border you can just post a meme you can do some paid advertising and you can get it out there quickly uh this is a problem, (laughs) Uh, to put it lightly. Uh, There's another quote he has that I thought was really interesting, where he says, even for those of us who live on social media, it is sometimes difficult to appreciate how quickly information can spread, the profundity of its global scope, and the significance of its impact on perceptions, narratives, and social movements. Once one starts viewing the Internet through meme-colored glasses, (laughs) nice one, Jeff, "uh, you can see memetic warfare everywhere political campaigns contested narratives about news and the thoughtless memes shared on th- shared by Facebook friends and in videos on YouTube.
0: That's right. Cause it's again, it's, it's like um, it, it, it seems to, it's something that can easily be shared without giving it too, too, too much thought uh, as to the validity of the point that it's making. Maybe it makes a little bit of a point that you're ideologically aligned with, but at the end of the day, you're not like fact checking your memes, but guess who does fact check memes now? Instagram and and Facebook, and we'll get to you know the whole backlash with all of that, and maybe how memes can sway elections. But um, I recently got a notification on Instagram for a meme that I posted like a year, more than a year ago, uh, when the insurrection happened at the at the Capitol, and there was you remember that dude with the weird kind of Grand Poobop hat on with the, the oh, horns the QAnon and stuff. Oh, Shaman. Yeah, yeah, the QAnon Shaman, but I posted a meme that I just thoughtlessly shared because I'm like, surely this is probably true, but even if it's not, who cares? But you know the, the idea that the Simpsons have predicted like everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It was an image of uh, groundskeeper Willie dressed in a very similar outfit, and they just said like, Simpsons did it or something like that. <laughs> and I just now, a year and a half or however long later, got a notification from Instagram saying, uh, after... <laughs> Using independent fact checkers, we have found that the uh, the post that you shared does not meet our uh, criteria for, um, you know, standards and practices or whatever the hell it was. I could pull it up, but it was like, a, you know, really old post uh, that even if it was uh, not true, which it turns out it wasn't. Um, I actually kind of realized that because I tried to verify it after I had posted and couldn't find this episode of The Simpsons. But... Who cares? Okay, the Simpsons predicted this guy. That is not an ideological sentiment. It's just more like a sentiment about the Simpsons. But yet, because all this stuff is algorithmically driven, somehow I finally got through the filter, and they decided, "Uh uh-oh, buddy, you're uh, you're spreading fake news there.
2: Oh, boy. Yeah, and and it's weird because I love that you pointed out that time gap – right it's not it didn't happen instantly somebody went back and reviewed your stuff and yeah just assume that anything you do on any computer might be public in the future but also Uh, the impact of memes require immediacy don't they so like
0: you know screening them a year later is absolutely (laughs) useless
2: yeah like well like our our pal uh that's a very good point Noel. um our pal paul was talking with us off air about a uh, vintage meme twitter account that he really likes and then it hit me paul i want to put you on blast here i'm putting me on blast really uh it hit me when we were talking about this that you know paul's like these are nostalgic you know these are very old memes they're from like 2010 and i remember thinking wait we were doing this show. <laughs> uh, we were about to do the show, at least, in 2010. And now we have to ask, what's the point? What, what, if you run into a weaponized meme in the wild, why? What, what is the point of this stuff? The goals are pretty simple. One, the meme wants to get the audience to do something, like vote a certain way, you know, uh, the subreddit, the Donald and uh, 4chan, uh, the poll forum on 4chan uh, were enormously successful in that respect. Uh, The second thing would be the opposite to get people to not do something they would otherwise do like support a given political party, or a protest or, you know, get them to not protest against a real life physical war. And a meme This is what we were talking about earlier, right? Um, You pointed this out beautifully, Matt. Um, A a meme can bypass rational thought. It can cloud judgment. It's speaking to a different part of your brain because your brain essentially is like an agglomeration of different personalities that don't always agree with each other, right? And that's why a song can touch someone differently than an essay, right? And because of this, Memes are incredibly valuable. They're incredibly powerful. They're also has like the petty part because, you know, the economy is the concept of an economy is the dominant religion of this era. Memes are much cheaper to make than, say, a Tomahawk missile, and they're much cheaper to deploy than, say, sending a soldier into battle. So who is doing this? That's a question we're going to answer after a word from our sponsors.
3: Live Nation presents Concert Week from now through May 14th. Get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows.
2: That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like Twenty One Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more
3: for way
0: less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer
2: long for just.
1: So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
2: Hopefully, having
3: conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington
2: Post opinions columnists.
3: Terminix
2: it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today.
3: That's T E R M I N I X.com to book online
2: today. We've returned, and I, I have to be honest, I um, it's, it's a little bit frustrating for us to do this episode because there are so many strings to pull. It's a big web. There are so many rabbit holes. There are so many badgers to bag. We might not even be able to talk about the importance of hashtags in this episode, but let us know if you want to hear more. Right now, let's talk about the culprits, the guilty parties. Surprise, it's the usual suspects. Everyone is doing this. Every. Every world power that can weaponize memes is not only doing it right now, but they've been doing it for years, and their plan is to continue because you can't argue with the price tag. There are a lot of pros in the game as well. Like, if you're listening now, and you're like, hey, I want to, you know, use memes to fight for some kind of change that I believe in. I'm going to create them. I'm going to spread them. (sighs) Uh, may the odds be ever in your favor, etc. But you are outmatched. There are state-run organizations doing this on a twenty-four-seven basis. They don't sleep, and they're after your mind.
3: Yeah, in the minds of everyone who opposes their government position. No, I'm just joking. But uh, I mean, it's it's po- it is possible, and it is true, right? And 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 as you said, Ben, it's everybody. It just it's not. It's not just the enemies of your government. It is your government. Wherever you are, it doesn't matter. Um, there's one it really just good example, I think. And again, we often point to China or Russia in these situations because we've from our side, we have a government that's trying to prove these things. Right. There are investigators trying to prove that there are armies of meme generators from the opposition. So when from our standpoint, we could say, yes, there are definitely groups like China's infamous 50 cent party, uh, the Internet Water Armies. These are two of the first recognized government troll groups that were out there and were active and they are still active. But that's just to say we can't point to I don't know, Ben, is there an actual uh, troll army group within the U.S. government that we can point to? I wasn't able to find one that's like got a name. Right. Like the 50 Cent Party, <laughs> right. or the you know something cool like that that the U.S. government has maybe within some data center somewhere where there's groups of people working on this.
2: Yeah, a lot. You're right. A lot of the Western reports are focusing on governments that are considered to be U.S. geopolitical rivals. But mm-hmm. make no mistake, you know, like if you wanna if you wanna see some trolling or you wanna see some effective use of memes, then I would look to the way that the U.S. military industrial complex uses memes as a means of recruiting new soldiers. Mm. It's, you know, like, uh, and that's that's related, but it goes even deeper than memes in that regard because, you know, the U.S. military also paid to have uh, a presence in sports games, also paid to have presence in films, also paid to uh, make video games, actually, some of which are not bad. Uh, but the the idea here is, again, to bypass critical thought. And there is no one above the fray in the, in the world of global politics. Everybody who can get down on this buffet is in all-you-can-eat beast mode.
3: And, and just while we're still here talking about Uh, government's doing this in, in this space, I want to recommend everybody heads over to archive.org and checks out a video there titled the big picture defense against enemy propaganda. This was created by the department of defense department of the army and the office of the deputy chief of staff for us operations, us army. And it was, I think created maybe in 1974 and it was put out in, at least it was released in this way in 1984. For, uh, for others to see, not just as an inside video or an internal video. Well, doesn't this kind of
0: work both ways, though? Because, I mean, you've got examples of, like, Xi Jinping and the Chinese government, like, banning Winnie the Pooh memes because they were mocking him, um, <laughs> you know? Like, or I think Putin, that he banned some memes in Russia because they were sort of, like, criticizing his views on the LGBTQ plus community. Um, it's interesting, like, because, I mean, they can be used... As weapons against the people but can also be used as weapons for the people and it's kind of a weird look when like governments ban memes that are criticizing them but it also like shows how powerful they can be
2: yeah. Exactly, exactly. And then you encounter what is sometimes called the Streisand effect. If you ask people on the Internet to just not share a thing, then it moves to the top of the list of things people want to share. Uh, This has also occurred, you know, with um, I believe it was uh, the performer Beyonce who asked for a unflattering photograph of her in a concert to be removed. And that just made it go viral. These operations are everywhere. It's they exist in numerous countries. They've evolved at a staggering pace. You don't need to rely on old school propaganda. You can target an audience and through algorithms and machine learning, you can find an audience or a cause with astonishing precision. You can control the flow of conversation. You can redirect from one issue to focus on another. We are in a new era of whataboutism, right? And it's tough to catch it when it happens. In China, in that case in particular, these enterprises, like Matt mentioned, 50 Cent Party Internet Water Armies, they're also tasked with operating on the domestic front. And for a long time in the U.S., there was a law that, was, that prevented the U.S. from actively propagandizing its own population. That law has quietly gone off the books. So be careful what you read. Voice of America applies to everyone now. Thanks, um, Obama. <laughs> right. right, that was the
3: Obama administration.
2: It was during that administration, I believe you're correct. And with the case of China, and now, of course, with the U.S., this idea of operating on the domestic front means that these memes can be weaponized to decrease dissent, to shore up a positive image of the government, uh, and then also to course-correct conversations that run counter to the status quo. Most of the tactics of online information wars can seem kind of abstract, right? Let's be honest. It's a bunch of ones and zeros dashing around in a digital cloud, but they do have real-world consequences. And we know this because the concept of information warfare went mainstream and came to widespread attention during and after the 2016 U.S. presidential election, and a lot of it was because the Russian government, through various proxies and various plausible deniability schemes, they spread false information via social media in an attempt to sow chaos and possibly sway the election toward uh, Donald Trump, who did win the 2016 election. Uh, Their attempt was successful. The question is, The thing that historians are still going to go back and forth on for the next few decades is how much of a role Russian trolls actually played in that election. They were definitely in there. They were trying to move. They were trying to shake some stuff up. But were they the force that swung the needle? That's a question people haven't answered. Uh, We do know that Russia was involved, though, because investigators in the U.S. trace the warfare back to a St. Petersburg group. St. Petersburg, Russia based group called the Internet Research Agency. Fellow conspiracy realist, what do we immediately assume when something has a, re- a really like bland kind of vanilla? Kind of, yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. f- yes. Yeah. Internet Research Agency. Also the, the IRA. IRA.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <jokes. laughs>
2: Probably the, the, that it's nefarious <laughs> in some way, shape, or form, right? Yes, absolutely. They used false identities and targeted disinfo campaigns to stir up domestic dissent and instability in the United States. And then they boosted their signal through paid promotions, which means that social media companies who are U.S.-based entities were collaborators. Whether or not they knew that's what they were doing, that is what they were doing. And this is... uh, (laughs) This is a point that we always have to hit because, like, it doesn't matter how you feel about COVID 19. It doesn't, to these guys at least, it does not matter how you feel about um, a protest or a president. You know, they don't care how you feel about Black Lives Matter. They were advertising to, uh, they they were attempting to influence people who were already against or for a given thing. They were just trying to widen the divide between the American public. And this goes back to, you know, Foundations of Geopolitics, which is sort of written by Russia's own Alex Jones. This is crazy. We talked about 4chan and the Donald subreddit. Uh, They were excellent examples of how to use weaponized memes it's not a political point it's or at least it's not one applied to any one political party everybody's doing it some audiences might be more you know like higher value than others but every person is a potential target and at this point we have to ask what does it all meme no oh. <laughs> i know i know Oh boy.
3: So speaking of memes, I'm just rethinking what I said in this episode. I did say thanks, Obama. I said it as the meme version of that. That is that a thing or am I? Yeah, that's a thing. Silly? That's a meme. Okay. That's
2: a meme. Said yeah. it as
3: a meme. Just, oh, I didn't offend people. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> well, the first thing that it memes is that, you know, you can no longer assume that a meme is actually what it appears to be, which is kind of sad because it does suck kind of the fun out of it like like this was a cool hot air balloon and we're deflating it
2: sad mm-hmm. i i just wanted something to laugh at while I'm pooping you know what i mean now why am i a, <laughs> why am i a pawn in this crazy new battleground uh you're <laughs> right you we can't assume. We can't assume that a meme is what it appears to be on the surface. We have a series of things, a, a series of questions we can ask that can help us determine what the true goal of that communication is. First, we have to ask why a meme came to our attention. Like, honestly, I would say, Noel, you kill it with memes. So if you send me and or Matt a meme, then I'm gonna trust it. I'm just gonna be like. That's hilarious. Noel has his finger on the pulse. And that's true. I'm a fan of your meme game.
0: I appreciate it. And it's something that I really enjoy. It's like a form of entertainment, but it can be like satire. Um, The ones that I share don't typically rely on being some sort of transmitter of truth, per se. You know, they're more just like concepts, right? And and I try not to be super political in the things that I post. But, I mean, I think they can be a really effective form of satire because you just get it. You know, it clicks. But um, as I mentioned with the whole groundskeeper willy thing there certainly are things that even like an internet algorithm could pull out and be like oh this is actually misinformation um i would draw the line whereas if the misinformation doesn't really matter and in and of itself is part of the parody or part of the absurdity of it all then then who cares but uh, we know that these things can be insidious and the misinformation can be buried within them and that little grain of whatever that thing that's trying to tug at you uh, and and your, your brain and or heartstrings with those things can absolutely spread just by virtue of the fact that you don't put that much credence
2: in something as simple and ultimately kind of frivolous as a meme. Yeah. And let's, let's look at the other side. This is what happens to people more often, I would argue, an algorithm, some kind of arcane calculation sends this meme your way You're scrolling through your feed and your feed is curated to bubble you. Uh, The, For profit entities that run social media. And we've said this at length before. And unfortunately, it's a real conspiracy. They want to keep you engaged and they want to keep you engaged by showing you stuff they think you will agree with. And so you will start to feel like you are part of something bigger than yourself. You'll start to feel like a lot of people agree with you. And then you will be more likely to become a transmitter yourself. You'll get infected with an idea. And that's, you know, the idea here, whether or not it's a good idea, doesn't matter. It's just how how it spreads. So you have to ask yourself, what does this meme want from me? <laughs> what does ask this meme for,
3: for you? <laughs> yes, yes.
2: Ask not what this meme can do for you, but ask what this meme wants you to do for it. If the meme is like a call to action, that would be the most extreme end of the spectrum. It's usually a little more subtle. So you have to ask yourself what this meme is asking you to agree with. You know, humor, humor is a skeleton key to human psychology. If you can get someone to laugh somehow, regardless of the situation, then you have made significant progress in getting them on your team in some way. It is crucial to make people laugh. And that's why you see so many orators, so many public speakers going for a laugh in all but the most somber of speeches. They're trying to get people to be like, ha ha, yeah, he gets it, he gets it. So, uh, war with round. Okay, yeah. Right on. Uh, <laughs> and and the scary thing is, I would say that and these online platforms are not going to help you. They're not supposed to. And they, and they are amoral. They are neither good nor bad. They are just trying to keep you engaged and to move the money. And you're a, you're a medium through which that money moves. Well,
3: it's weird to think that memes can, can show up in your various feeds If it's actual user-generated content that is a meme like this, no matter who is generating it, even if it is for some nefarious means, but they can also show up in your feed via an advertisement like we talked about, where you can literally be targeted by someone who's putting a meme out or an advertisement out that targets you that isn't necessarily an advertisement for a business, but it's, again, to move the needle in some small way for a, a cause, it's very possible, and it happened during that
2: 2016 election. Absolutely, yes. And we know that largely as a result of the controversy surrounding 2016, Facebook, Twitter, and so on started to make moves to fact-check claims, but they're kind of slow with it. Their process is spotty. Uh, there are serious questions and strong evidence that, at least in Facebook's case, ethical concerns took a backseat to potential profits, What this means right now, if you are listening, is that we are in a war. It is a war that knows no boundaries. It is waged across the planet. It is waged with ephemeral weapons in a digital sphere. And these weapons have real world lasting consequences. And unless you happen to be part of a professional troll army right now, you're in the same boat as us, folks. We're hopelessly outnumbered. The conspiracy is real. The goal of memetic warfare is to move from the cloud directly into your mind. And the importance of this cannot be overstated. This is not hyperbole. This is not a sensationalism. This is happening, and it is happening to you. So now that we know this, we know memes can be another kind of weapon. We know they can be propaganda on steroids, now we are armed with the most important weapon you can possess in this war, which is the power of critical thinking. And it's not a fun process, just to be honest with you. It's, it's not something a lot of people do for fun because it's psychologically distasteful, right? To find new diverse opinions that you may not personally agree with that burst your bubble. It burst your social media bubble. That's not cool. I thought everybody was on board with me. Vibes is a great movie. I will hear no dissent.
3: Oh but, God!
2: But you, you have to find it though. You yeah. have to find. You have to find it because you, we have the responsibility. Like if we want to say we understand. A given issue, then we need to hear from more than just the people who are hype manning us. We need to hear from more than just the people who are cheering for us in the stands. We need to understand all sides of an argument. Like for instance, if you are, maybe you consider yourself an atheist, you have a higher responsibility to read the Bible than the people who Consider themselves uh, Christians, I would argue, because you need to know what you are disagreeing with. You need to know, and if you are, for instance, um, someone who has very strong, very specific spiritual beliefs, then it is also your responsibility to understand what other people's beliefs are, to understand what what is the case that you know an atheist or a, a Buddhist or a Christian or whomever is making. That is. The best thing you can do, and it is cognitively difficult. We talked about it before. Human hardwire is limited. Human hardwire, in terms of the engine of the brain, it feeds off feeling agreed with. And we have visceral, emotional gut reactions to stuff that contradicts our worldview, whatever it might be. Like, you might think... um, I'm trying to think of an example that's not political because that stuff gets brought up all the time let's say you like soda but you only like coca-cola or pepsi or whatever and then you take one of those blind taste tests and you figure out that if you didn't know the brand name then they were uh, much the same i'm kind of word salading here guys i'm sorry for the ted talk it's just this this is crazy important You have to work against the way your brain is constructed to get like to have the best chance of withstanding weaponized memes. But that being said, you know, we're talking about being active listeners, being active participants instead of passive listeners.
3: So I just have a couple of things I can relate to this before we get out of here. Um, When I was a bit younger in my 20s, I was definitely somebody who was susceptible to getting a message sent to me, usually via social media or reading an article and then feeling as though I needed to then send that message or that idea back out to everybody that I knew. the
0: The chain letter. That's an early form, or like the Ooh, you know yeah. the email chain letter, right?
3: Well, for me, it was Facebook different, but it totally. was Facebook posts. It was all Facebook posts. That's the thing that existed. Uh, MySpace was a had a different function. This is when we were uh, working early, Ben, at how stuff works, just before we started stuff they don't want you to know. And I just I remember how confident I was in all of my beliefs and that when I was ingesting information, it was information generally that agreed with how I felt about most things. It was extremely liberal and it was extremely anti, uh, you know, status quo. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that I was stuck in a bubble that I was only getting that information in and I was sending that information directly back out as soon as it came into me. And I felt like I was doing the right thing and I was helping to like change the world in some way. I just think that this kind of situation that we're discussing here is happening to many people right now. And that's why your message is so important, Ben, of doing do the work with yourself to like make sure you're seeing the a big enough of a picture to understand what you're in fact doing. Because I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. I was just repeating. I was like uh, I was a repeater switch,
2: right? Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and with that, I think you're hitting on something that everyone can agree with. No one likes to feel played. No one likes to feel like a rube, right? Uh, that is what's happening. And the best chance we have as a society, God, we live in a society. That's another meme, right? We do. <laughs> <laughs> the best chance we have is to exercise that critical thought and to put ourselves in cognitively challenging places. Or maybe we're overthinking this. Maybe we're exaggerating. Maybe we're embellishing the problem. What do you think? We can't wait to hear from you. Uh, bonus points if you reach out to us and send some cool memes. Because I'll tell you what, I am addicted to no regrets. I scroll through like me, ha, uh, me underscore IRL all the time when I should be working. Uh, it's just great. Memes are just great. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not being sarcastic. I f-ing love them, but also inherently super dangerous and insidious and scary, but great. Yeah. yeah.
3: You know, I really want to see is a smash up of the three of our faces, uh, you know, from a a still image from one of these YouTube videos. That's probably I don't know about that one. Maybe not that one, (laughs) but I want to see it where it's like what what Ben would say in this situation, what Noel would say and what Matt would say. I think that'd be hilarious if that could be a thing. (laughs)
2: <laughs> You're setting us up. You're setting us up because you know, our fellow conspiracy realists are on the money with this.
3: Well, mine would always be like, but they're not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like
0: that. No, didn't someone do that already? Someone did a meme of us with like three people, like in a fracas of some kind, it was an animated thing. And it was like each of each of them represented one of us. And I can't remember what it was, but we've been <laughs> memed a handful of times, but I saw an image today that I have not seen memed. And if any, any, uh, eagle eyed conspiracy realists out there want to try their hand at this, um, there is an image of Kanye West and Kim Kardashian at this like red carpet event. And the comedian, Amy Schumer did this prank where she's like crawling on the ground. And it's the perfect meme format because Kanye is looking at her with just disgust. And Kim is like mildly amused. And Amy Schumer just looks unhinged and clawing at the red carpet and crawling on the ground. So what, what do each of those figures represent? Let us know.
2: Hmm. And uh, shout out to shout out to all our friends on the Internet who have memed us. I am especially a big fan of the work of Hallelujah. Uh, it's <laughs> the, the name I suspect is a pun. Uh, but yeah, we can't we can't wait to hear from you. We can't wait to hear also any personal experience you have had with weaponized memes or as uh, dark as it is to point out any experience you've had with someone who. Who got played, who got their their uh, mind or their viewpoint altered by memes, especially if you saw the process. Uh, where do I send these memes, you may ask? Well, we try to be easy to find online. Social
3: media is so weird, you shouldn't use it. anyway, find us on Facebook and Twitter and <laughs> YouTube where we're Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we're a Conspiracy Stuff Show. And you guys have Instagram accounts, right?
0: Uh, yeah, I've got one. It's at how now Noel Brown. I I post a lot of memes there actually uh, on the, on the old stories. Um, what about you, Ben? I'm not on Twitter. I am, but I don't, I don't really use it. I lurk.
2: You can find me at vibesfan 69 No, I'm kidding. Uh, you can you can learn more about my various off-air misadventures and uh, get a backstage look at a lot of the research that goes into these shows if you follow me at Ben Bullen, B-O-W-L-I-N, on Instagram or at Ben Bullen, on Twitter. But wait, you're saying, hold your mimetic horses, guys. I agree with Matt. I don't sip those social meads, but I do need to contact you. Well, we have another way for you to do it, and you don't have to get on a computer. That's right. You can give
0: us a telephone call using uh, analog methods, antiquated technology, or you know, a cellular phone will also do the trick. You can call us at one eight three three S T D W Y T K. Leave a message to the sound of Ben's dulcet tones. Three minutes is the time that you shall have to tell your tale or share your verbal meme or, or what have you, your missive. Um, and then uh, make sure to let us know at the end or at the beginning or somewhere in the middle what to call you. Uh, give yourself a cool nickname. Let us know if you want to remain anonymous. If you feel really strongly about it we'll even use one of those fancy schmancy voice disguisers on you because we love you that much and then you might hear yourself one of our weekly listener mail episodes
3: yes yes and hey if you don't like using your phone for what it's meant to be which is a phone that's okay you can also send us a good old-fashioned email we are
2: conspiracy at iheartradio.com